We're going to be looking at uh, the story of Jesus, the announcement of Jesus coming, and that is found in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to start reading in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Father, we thank you so much that you speak to us. God, that you speak to us about our lives and how you want us to walk forward and move forward each day. God, we thank you for this message that you brought to Mary so many years ago, and we thank you that she was a yielded and humble servant. We are so grateful for your truth. Your truth brings light and life to our lives, and we just pray that you'd help us to walk in it each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever had um, something happen to you and uh, nobody would believe your story? Have you ever uh, uh, heard somebody's story and you didn't believe it? Uh, years ago, when I was uh, my, between my junior and senior year in high school, there were, uh, was a small group of us uh, that had a day and we, we decided we would go to Six Flags. And so we loaded up in a couple of cars and, uh, and went to Six Flags for the day. And when we got there, uh, lo and behold, it was uh, Olivia Newton-John Day at Six Flags. <laughs> Everybody know who Olivia Newton-John is? And uh, she, she was at the peak of her concert career at that time. And, uh, and they were going to do a concert that night with Olivia Newton-John. And so the place was really crowded, which was kind of annoying to us because we just wanted to ride the rides. We, none of us were really big Olivia Newton-John music fans at all. And uh, so uh, when the concert started, we were kind of, it was just kind of great because people went to the concert and we got onto the rides pretty quick and we were able to ride the rides faster. And towards the end of the, uh, the, end of the, the day, we were up at, uh, at, at, at uh, oh, uh, the the roller coaster that was there and uh we were we were, we were riding in we got off as we got off of it 
um, the concert was was letting out, and the people were just streaming out of the out of the amphitheater there, and uh, they were going out and doing stuff. And so we thought, well, we're just gonna let the crowd get by, and we just kind of walked into the amphitheater, and we get into the amphitheater, and down down at the at the stage at the down through the stage is Olivia Newton John signing autographs, and one of the guys that was with us said, I want to get. Olivia Newton-John's autograph. I'm going to get in that line. And the rest of us said, we're really not interested. And he said, well, I'm going to, if you, will you guys wait for me? And we said, sure, we'll wait for you. Go, go. So he went and got in line. And he came back, and he had, he had had her sign two different pieces of paper. And he gave me one of them. He said, I've got this for you. So I had now Olivia Newton-John's autograph. And he had Olivia Newton-John's autograph. And, uh, and I'll tell you, I, I have no idea where mine's at. I have no idea. I have no idea what happened to it, where it went. I know exactly where his is at. I know exactly what happened to his. Because that, that fall, he brought his to school with him. And he was walking around school showing people Olivia Newton-John's autograph. He said, look what I got this summer. And one girl took it out of his hand and looked at it and said, I don't believe that at all and tore it to pieces and threw it on the ground. She didn't believe it. He was in shock. <laughs> now, now think about this. You're in a small village, small group of people, and there's a teenage girl there who's betrothed, which, which it means, you know, like engagement, but more serious than that. Dowries have now been exchanged, and legal things have been established, and she's still living with her mother and her father, but within the year, there'll be a wedding day, and they will come together and be married. Uh, but in the middle of that time, she announces, it becomes evident that she's with child. And she tells everybody, yeah, an angel of the Lord visited me. An angel of God came and visited me. And, and he told me that God himself was going to come upon me. And when God comes on me, I was going to be with child. This child's going to be great and going to do these wonderful things. And, uh, and, and, uh, and this is really a good thing. How do you buy that story? Now, how, how do you think about that story? Maybe kind of like the girl at school who didn't believe it was Olivia Newton-John's actual signature. So, so what does that say to us? What, what does that do? What do you think about this story about me? How would you have reacted to Mary? In the middle of this unbelievable story stands a teenage girl who has found favor with God with now this unbelievable story. While all else doubt, maybe even mock, maybe even reject her, she has been chosen to do one of the most important tasks, if not the most important task, that any of us could have done besides Jesus himself. Most likely is this young girl betrothed uh, in this legally binding way, and Gabriel has showed up, and she says, talks about the confusion of her life, and the things that are taking place in her life, and yet she's received that into her life. Now, here's, here's the, the point today. What do you take, how do you see Mary today? 
most people make one or two mistakes with Mary. Some deify her. And, and, and they make her, you know, this uh, individual that is godlike, and we pray and pray to her. And the Bible never says that. The Bible's our standard for faith and conduct. The Bible never gives us that instruction. The Bible never reveals that. The Bible says she's honored and that she was special in the eyes of God and that God chose her for a specific task. But it doesn't deify her. On the other side, the other mistake that we make is we ignore her and we don't learn from her. And there are some really great lessons to learn from Mary. The one, that, one, that, one of my favorites is the lesson that you learn at the wedding of Cana that we talked about last week when she, t- when she calls the people over. And here's, here's, here's one, of the, one of these few sentences we get out of Mary's life that is so important. She looks at him and says, whatever he says to do, do it. Boy, if we just listen to that instruction from Mary, whatever Jesus says to do, do it. We've learned a great lesson. So here she is, this, this young girl, and her cousin, who's now an, an older than her, as we talked last week, she's uh, you know, past the prime point of, of having a child, and she has been in disgrace over that situation in their culture and in their religious point of view. That's a disgraceful thing. And God has shown up in their lives. An angel has visited them, and Zachariah and Elizabeth are now going to have a child, and guess what? The disgrace is lifted. What, what was thought before as judgment or because of sin, it's lifted. On the flip side, you have Mary, this young teenage girl, that when the message begins to go out that she's with child, Disgrace in the eyes of the community is placed upon her. And that would go with her and even go with Jesus for, the year, for years and years to come. See, what should we learn, what we should learn to do in this is honor her and learn from her. And we should learn this lesson from her that sometimes, sometimes the message and the, and the call of God, what we are called to do and what we should do, brings honor in the eyes of others because we do the right thing. And sometimes we do what God calls us to do and we're the vessel of God. The world looks at us and doesn't get it at all. Doesn't understand it a bit. We're not told, we don't know how all of this timing went and how all the things uh, that took place here. We don't know how... uh, how Mary's parents react. We don't know all about how the community acts. We get a little bit of insight. It's almost like President Obama and where's birth certificate is at. Because years later, Jesus would heal this blind guy. And the Pharisees would have this blind guy in and be questioning him uh, about what happened. And they say, they, they, and they, they reviled him, and they said, you are, his, you are his disciple, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't even know where he comes from. They weren't talking about the city he was born in. They knew exactly where he was born. They were talking about the rumors they had heard. 
We don't even know really who his father is. We don't even know whether he's one of us or whether he's born of a Samaritan or whether he's born of a Roman soldier. We don't even know where he comes from. The story had gone on just like it does in political times today. The story rolls on in political times of that day. They'd done their research. They'd looked into his background. And that story was still being told as stories are still told today. So how, how do we react to in the middle of, of all of these things? Joseph's reaction is a gracious one, but a logical one. Joseph looks at her, and he's betrothed to be married to her. But, you know, guys, what would you say? I mean, what would you say when your girl, your, the, the girl you're engaged to says, oh, uh, by the way, I'm pregnant, and you know it's not yours. You know what? Oh, this is, don't worry about it. It's from God. What are you saying? You're saying, uh, sweetheart, love you, but this is too much for me. This is a little out there for me. And that's where Joseph was at. Joseph was in this story, and yet he wasn't angry. He was gracious, more gracious than maybe most of us would be. He was kind, and he thought, you know, I'm just going gonna, gonna to divorce her. I'm going to end this relationship. This is too much. She has flipped out. She doesn't know what, no telling what's happened to her here, and she's really lost it, and I don't need this in my life for the rest of my life. And the Bible teaches that he had in his mind to quietly, because he was gracious, divorce her and put an end to things. And then one night, Joseph has a dream. And this dream is so alive. It is so vivid. It is so impactful in Joseph's life. It reaches down into the very core of his being. Because you've got to think, what would it take to change my mind on this point? God brought this dream into 3D living color inside of his heart. And when Joseph woke up, he knew that what Mary was telling him was the truth. And he went and he said, okay, come into my home. And the Bible says he brought her into his, into his home from that day forward. Now, the village would naturally say, oh, Joseph wouldn't have done that if he wasn't the father. That's probably the rumor that would go about at that day. But Joseph knew the truth, and Mary knew the truth. And most importantly, God knew the truth. So here we have this young girl, unmarried and with child, with some idea of the trouble that's going to happen in her life. Not naive to the things that are going to take place. And here's where we learn one of the other great stories because, see, friends, there weren't angels singing over the city telling them that what was inside of Mary's womb was from God. She was out there on her own. And sometimes as the church, as believers... We are out there on our own. Us and God and nobody else getting it. And we're called to be faithful. We're called to be faithful. And here are the wonderful words of Mary. Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. I am a servant of the Lord. I'm not here for God to make my life easy. I'm here as his servant. And she says, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her, departed from her. Mary's faith and obedience are worthy of honor. And Mary's faith and obedience 
are worthy of us learning a lesson about how we should also live our lives and what we should do as a people who follow after Jesus and who follow after God. God, I am your servant. Be it unto me according to your will. From time to time, somebody will come to me and they will say something along these lines. Will you believe God with me for? And, and they will be talking about maybe healing in their life or uh, a new job or some change to take place in their life. And, and I want you to know, I want to be really clear about this. If what that person is saying is, I believe God is able to heal me. I believe God can reach down and heal me today. I believe he has that power to do that. I believe he gives me the right in his word to ask for that. And I believe he gives me the right to go to others and ask them to pray with me. And, and Pastor, I'm coming to you and I'm saying, will you pray with me because I would really like it if God healed me or God got me a new job or God healed this circumstances and delivered me from this or delivered my child from this. I would really, I would really like it if, if that happened. I'm all in. I'm all in. God's able. God can do the impossible. I am all in to pray and say, God, this is what we want. The Bible gives us every right in the world to bring our prayers, our supplications, our requests before God and to ask God to do something that we want him to do. On the flip side of that, though, is this. If we've gotten our doctrine confused and we think that we have some scriptural right that we can back God legally in a corner, and he is our servant, and we're not his servant. And he has to snap to our attention and to our desires, and we're not to submit ourselves to his desires. If we think we have some right to say, this is the way it's going to be, and if I get enough people praying with me, and if I can muster enough faith, God must sit up on his throne and do what I ask, then we've changed our relationship with God. Here's the, here, here it is. I am a servant of the Lord. Be it unto me according to your will. That's the way Jesus teaches to pray. He says, our Father, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, my will be done. I mean, frankly, if you listen to some of the church today, you'd think that's the way it was written, wouldn't you? And it's not written that way at all. It's written, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do your will in my life, God. That, this, is the, this is the key prayer in how we submit our lives unto God and say, God, we know you are able. We know you can do whatever you want. And Lord, if it's your will, do this. This is the way Jesus prayed in the garden. Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, if this cup, if there's some other way and this cup can be taken from me, take it from me, but not my will, your will be done. I am here as your servant. Jesus humbled himself even to death on the cross. And our call is to be that instrument in his hands, believing. It's, it's really a sad thing. You get somebody in a really sad, sad, terrible, maybe a terrible health circumstance or some other circumstances, and, and it's almost like to say we're going to trust God or we're going to let God's will be done is almost like a lack of faith. 
when really the greatest act of faith is to say what Mary said. Be it unto me according to your will. Here's what I want, God. I can tell you what I want. You've given me a right to ask. I'm asking for this. I'm asking for healing. I'm asking for deliverance. I'm asking for this thing to happen in my life. But not my will, your will be done. Whatever you want to have happen in my life, that's what I want in my life. That's the great lesson that Mary lays in front of her. And I believe one of the reasons that God looked at her and said, you're the one I'm choosing. Because down in her heart, she understood this very simple thing. God wasn't her servant. She was God's servant. And she was there to serve him. Now, as we go on in this story, and we look at this story, we begin to get this picture of Mary's righteous relationship with God. But then we begin to look at what the angels say. And this is what, the, the, what happens in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the, most high, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The virgin birth is key to our faith. It's kind of a fantastic story, isn't it? Virgin birth. And some people stumble over that. Oh, man, it had to be this or it had to be something else. It didn't have to be the virgin. And you see people trying to excuse away the virgin birth. And I always want to say, why? Well, because it's, a fan, it's, it's just an unbelievable story. Well, picture this. God steps out into the nothingness and says, worlds be. And worlds spring into existence. Stars be and stars spring into existence. That's kind of a fantastic story, isn't it? And yet here's the, here are the planets and here are the stars. God reaches down in the dust of the ground and forms a human body and breathes into it a breath of life and man becomes a living soul. That's a fantastic story, isn't it? Yet here we are. Here we sit today. You know, we look at the, we look at the, the stories of, of God and we think about how outlandish they are. We think about the fact that the Bible says that we're going to die someday and when we die, our spirit's going to go stand before God. That's kind of a fantastic story. Not only that, but if you're saved, you're going to be fitted with a body that is incorruptible instead of the corruptible body that you have today. You're not going to need your glasses anymore. You're not going to need your hearing aids anymore. You're not going to need your braces anymore. You're not going to need your blood pressure medicine anymore. You're not going to need any of this stuff anymore because you're going to get a body that will never wear out. Now, we like that story, don't we? I'm looking forward to that. It's a fantastic story, but here, it's a story that only God can do. There are things in the Bible that only God can do. And this is one of those things. Only God can do this. This is the intervention of God into our lives and God moving in a fantastic and, and, and amazing way in our life. You may ask, how can God do that? I don't know. It's beyond our imagination. I just know that I see things around me that show me the evidence of God and show me the reality of God. And God says, this is how I did it. Now, here's why the virgin birth is attacked and why it is important if jesus were born of a man just like us then he is not the son of god he is the son of man and to call him holy 
misrepresents who we are. He's not holy. He's just a son of fallen man like all of us. He's just the son of man. If he was born a man of a man, he was born a sinner just like us. And all of us are born under this curse of sin that separates us from God and we are in need of rebirth by the power of the Spirit of God moving in our lives. And if he was born that way, he needed that to happen in his life as well. And for him, for his death on the cross could not pay for our sin because he was a sinner and he needed his sin to be paid for if he was born of man. We might as well put our faith in Jesus or in Santa to bring us Christmas presents as to believe in Jesus to bring us salvation if he was born of man. This is an important part of what we, what we believe. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give, you, give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Jesus is the Son of God, holy perfect and sinless and through him we can be made clean as well and we can come into a kingdom that will never end and we can be transformed from the fallen creatures that we are into a new creature once again not by the wisdom of man but by the power of a gracious God now again this is where the enemy pushes us to one of two sides in our culture today, what we're facing in America today is this cry that uh, nobody's really a sinner. There's nothing corrupt in us. We are just who we are. And whatever that is should just be let loose to be whatever it is. This is one of the worst pieces of advice. I hear Christians give this piece of advice. It's one of the worst pieces of advice I hear people ever give anybody. Just be yourself. I always want to go, no, 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 no. Don't be yourself. Who you are is a corrupted, sin-filled person. Be who Jesus would have you to be. Be this transformed creature of God. Don't be yourself. Be changed. Look at what God would have you to be and let the work of God take place in your life. But we live in a society today that wants to take whatever corrupt thing is going on in our mind, whatever immoral thing is going on in our heart, whatever broken thing is going on in our thinking, and, says, and say, says, say to us, just, hey, whatever makes you happy today, whatever fulfills you today, we just, just be yourself and go for it. You're okay, I'm okay, and nobody should look at anybody and say anything's wrong. That's the message of the day, and it's a lie. Now, here's the flip side. If the enemy can't get you to believe that, here's what he'll whisper in your ear. You have made so many mistakes. You have blown it so badly. You are so corrupted that you cannot be forgiven. And the virgin birth says both of those things are a lie. The virgin birth says God himself the creator of the universe 
God himself, the one who formed man and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. God himself who created a spirit in us that will stand before us and has created this planet for us to live on and heaven for us to go to. God himself has come down in the form of a man to pay the price for our sin and to point out to us that we are sinners in need of his grace and to tell us no matter what we have done, we can be forgiven. God himself was there with Mary that night and what was formed in her was the son of God that would pay the price for our sin so we could be forgiven. That's the message uh, uh, that, that comes alive for us today. The virgin birth says, says to us, you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and to reject him is eternally destructive. And the virgin birth says, no matter what you've done, the eternal perfect one has paid your price, and if you put your faith in him, you will be forgiven. For listen, nothing will be impossible for God. You're going to get presents this, this, this year. I hope, hope all of you do. That represents the greatest present. We need to teach our children this. We're giving presents because God, we're, we're trying to be like God who gave us great presents. He gave us the greatest present ever. He gave us his son to pay the price for us. We should rejoice and teach our children to rejoice at this time of year because we should be whispering in there we're all sinners far from God but while we were far from God and we couldn't go to him he came to us in the form of a baby and he's now with us God with us and we should whisper it in their ears and pray it over our dinners and tell the stories before we open our presents and remind them of the presence of God that has come to visit us. And we should rejoice and we should sing because there's a song in our heart of forgiveness and redemption through the Savior, the virgin birth of Jesus, the Son of God. That is the hope for all mankind. Amen? Lord, in Jesus' name, right now, as we just prepare our hearts to Remember the work that your son has done for us as the ushers even go now to prepare themselves to serve communion to us. Lord, let us remember that it's your intervention that brought life about itself and it's your intervention that's brought forgiveness to us. And I pray, Father, for everyone in this room that, Lord, we, that your spirit would speak to us right now and as we are filled with your grace, that the assurance of our salvation would be clear in our hearts. But Father, if we're far from you, that right now, this moment, we'd open our heart to you in Jesus' name. So every head bowed, every eye closed for just a second. Just say, Pastor, as you spoke today, I have felt something stir in my spirit. I would tell you that's the Spirit of God. It stirred in my spirit that I need to ask Christ to be my Savior and be my Lord today. If that's you, just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ to come into my life. I'm looking across this room real quickly today. You raise your hand and say, pray for me. I want Christ in my life today. Cross the balcony. Cross the balcony this morning.
God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else today? God loves you. I want you to know that. God loves you. Anyone else here today? Father, you see this hand that was raised today. And as we pray this prayer together, we just rejoice with them that they've crossed a line of faith today. And I pray you give them strength and, and revelation so they'll never look back. That they'll become just like Mary. Be it unto me, I am your servant. Be unto me according to your will. And Lord, let us understand the joy of resting in that today. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive Jesus as my Lord. I receive Jesus as my Savior. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we are so helpless. We are helpless even to see our sin unless your spirit moves upon us. And so, Lord, we pray you convict us of sin. We pray that if we are far from you, that you'd re reveal to us and convict us of the truth of who your son is. And we pray that those of us who are serving you, Father, if there's anything in us that's displeasing, that you'd bring conviction, that would bring repentance, that would bring change. Father, we're not capable of on our own. Let us truly be your servants. And Father, we rejoice today that when the blood of your Son is applied to our life, all of our sin is covered and cleansed. And we can rejoice in the assurance of our salvation in Jesus' name. And we receive this with that joy today. Amen. Father, I'm so aware today of uh, the teachings that impact our lives. And Lord, at the end of the day, what we want to look to is your word. It must be our standard for faith and conduct. Father, we don't want to be a people who try to manipulate you or control you. We want you to control us. We want your word to guide us. And today, Father, I just pray for my brothers and sisters around this place. That, Father, they would hear the words of the day and search scripture clearly. And see what your word says to us. Not what I would say, not what man would say, not what somebody else would say, not what some book would say, but what your word would say. And let us be a people of your book, we pray. A people who know that Jesus is revealed to us in your word. Let us walk in it and live in it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I love you. Merry Christmas to you. Go in the name of the Lord and come back tonight and enjoy the great Christmas music. It's going to be a great night.